are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss alongside Ulysses Zambrano, and we're the host of the Locked On Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to Locked on Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and online at fanstreamsports.com. And when you get in your car to your smart device to play Locked on Rays, also be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram and shoot us an email at LockedOnRays at gmail.com. Okay, today is a Wednesday, which means another crossover episode with a fellow AL East divisional foe, this time Gabrielle Starr from the Locked On Red Sox podcast joins Ulysses for an in-depth discussion. So without further ado, here's Gabrielle and Ulysses. All right, Ulysses, this is really exciting. We have never recorded together, which is kind of insane because we've both been on this network for a very long time. And I recorded with Kevin last year, but not with you. But let's talk about our division because I'm actually really intrigued by our division. I feel like a lot of the teams in our division are both underrated and overrated, if that makes sense. I feel like it's kind of hard to pinpoint, you know, everyone's predicting the Yankees to win the division by a mile. I'm not that impressed by them. Everyone's predicting the Rays to have like a dramatic collapse without Blake Snell as if this is basketball. So let's just start off by talking about Blake Snell because I have to ask ask you as a Rays fan. Yeah. What was it like watching Blake Snell get pulled from the World Series? I know we're previewing this season, but I can't start without asking you how it felt as a Rays fan. That's okay. I, I have a, a, a look in the past question for you too. Uh, <laughs> look, no, that uh, I think if there were a spike in televisions damaged by items hitting the screen. That was definitely that day when cash pulled snow. I think the majority of race fans were like, what are you think? What are you doing? I mean, he's throwing seeds out there. Mookie Betts is looking like a single A player right now. What are you doing? <laughs> he tends um, to do that during the postseason. <laughs> that's right. You know him. You know mm. Mookie. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely uh, not not happy about it. Now you can kind of like breathe a little bit calmer about it. It'll always be a, a big question mark, I think, for all race fans. But if they go to the playoffs and and if that championship ring happens in the next you know three to five years, I think people will grow to, you know, forgive cash. And I think some of them already have. Wow. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I could forgive him that easy. Um, if it was me, I haven't you know, yet. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. So you're not one of those people. Like you're saying that you think some people have forgiven him, but not you. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. So what is your team? Like, what is your team looking like this year in terms of now that Snell is gone, who would you say, are the biggest names on your team. Cause I feel like your team, you know, you've got the number one rated farm system. You guys have a lot of players, obviously Kiermaier has been there forever at this point, but a lot of the guys on your team, I feel like are kind of like, you don't really like, they're not exactly the most memorable biggest names in baseball. You're a, it's a pretty low budget team. So who would you say are the marquee players that people can kind of look, keep an eye out for this year? 
Yeah, I think I think honestly, that's because uh, the national media just pretends that the Rays are not even ex- existing yeah. <laughs> until they make it to the playoffs. Basically, you know, every every couple of years. So, I think Willie Adamas, obviously a, a big, big, big shortstop. Uh, Austin Meadows, the the year he had in 2019. I mean, he already got uh, top 10 MVP votes for that. Brendan Lau, another All Star who could you know, push 30 home runs. Randy Arozarena, who is now legitimately the best uh, player in the playoffs ever. I mean, he has now has like every single record. It's It was amazing. David Ortiz him. would like a word. I'm just. Oh, this, this. No, we, you know, we could compare stats <laughs> and it would become a whole series of podcasts. Um, yeah, no. So, you so knew I was going to say that though, right? Like you had to expect I, I, I that I was going to like <laughs> stand up for my man, my man, you know? Of course. Um, Tyler Glass now, I think, takes that helm for the ace of the staff. Um, and, and I think they're going a little bit different here with, with the pitching rotation where they said, okay, so no snow. Okay. No, Charlie Morton. How do we get that, that production back into the team? And it's with four guys, you know, a, a McHugh, Waka, um, Archer and Rich Hill. Can those four guys combine the production of those two guys, Morton and Snell for $10 million less? And so that's the hope that that's what's going to happen is those four guys will equal the production for Snell and Morton. But recognizable names, yeah, I think Willie Adamas, Glass now, uh, B. Lowen, of course, Randy Rosarena should make that th- those names pop out into MLB uh, fans. Yeah, and Kiermaier, of course, who I feel like is Thank a very slept-on outfielder. You know, he's no yeah. JBJ, but. Ooh, that's another podcast series waiting to happen. I'm sorry. What are you He's talking gone about? Now I have to, I have to defend my dude. That's right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Um, yeah, I was actually going to ask you about Charlie Morton because Charlie Morton, uh, they declined his option. Right. And so now he's on the Braves who actually lost to the Red Sox today. Interestingly enough, the first team to shut out the Braves all spring training were the Red Sox, which Look at that. kind of, kind of weird, but in, in, you know, to replace Morton, you guys added Colin McHugh and Rich Hill, both of whom technically are former Red Sox players. McHugh didn't actually end up playing for the Red Sox, but Rich Hill is a homegrown guy. His niece is actually yeah. one of my best friends. Oh, um, yeah. So what do you expect of guys like, I mean, McHugh's not as much of a veteran as Rich Hill, but do you think that Rich Hill can have a bounce back year in Tampa? Well, he hasn't looked particularly strong this spring training, but me and Kevin uh, have a saying, and we've been kind of really egging this thing on. It's like spring training. We are not even looking at it at all. Uh, we, we Glass now had a 13 ERA something, and then he was like the front runner for a Cy Young, basically un- until he got hurt in 2019. So we've we've had that mantra for, for this whole year. He hasn't pitched particularly well. Today, he was more efficient, five innings, three runs, about 65 pitches. So that's that's good. Uh, you, you Honestly, what you want from guys like Hill, McHugh, and Walk and Archer is just to keep you in the game. Uh, you, you know, if you, if you can get that four or five ERA, sure, fine. 
we, we, we can handle that, but just injury prevention. I think it's the biggest thing. I don't care. I don't think the Rays are really going to care for, you know, five innings of shutout ball by Archer Waka and Hill. They just want to keep the, the game intact and give some time for the young guys from the farm system, which you mentioned is the number one in baseball to kind of get a little bit more reps in the alternate training site to get more reps if there is triple a whenever there is triple a baseball uh, to get some reps and then they can come out you know when <laughs> after the super two deadline around june because you know how the rays operate so they just want to have those guys healthy until that point and then you can see the young guys come up and and maybe uh substitute the the, the veterans yeah. So, all right. I, I know it's another pitching question, but I, you know, when you have a team with like the Red Sox where the pitching has been so bad for the last two years, all I can think about is pitching. Like I, I like crave pitching, like good pitching, but I'm just curious. Um, you've got a couple guys on the injured list and Jalen Beeks, who was the centerpiece of the trade with the Red Sox in 2018, he had Tommy John, right? Yes. So what's his timeline um, for people who don't remember? He made like one or two starts for the Red Sox in 2018. And then he was traded for Nathan Evaldi that season. And both have had a lot of injuries. Um, What is Jalen Beek's timeline? And, you know, what's been going on with him since he's been down with you guys? Honestly, uh, he has been reworking the way that he... um, he delivers the ball. He started hiding it a little bit better from 2019 to 2020. And he was really, uh, really effective in that later part of 2019 to 2020. And then he got hurt. Uh, so, so that was a shame. I don't think that we'll see him this, this season. I think it would be uh, a little bit rushed, maybe August, September. But again, I think the Rays are, have enough pitching depth that they can just tell guys like, Yanni Torinos and Jalen Beeks and Colin Pochet to say, you know what, look, you guys, we're okay with you guys taking it easy and rehabbing. I mean, Jalen Beeks was such a powerful guy because two times through the order, he was really effective. After that, he got a little bit wonky and he got hit hard. Uh, but when you put him in, in the best position to succeed, which was two times through the order or less, he was really a, a really cool part of that. And I think, honestly, talking about that trade, that, that was a weird trade because in two uh, functions. Number one, I think it benefited both teams, um, ultimately. Nathan Yovaldi, yeah, you, you got the championship ring, which is basically <laughs> what you play this freaking game for, right? It's just for, for the trophy or the ring. And then ultimately, the, the the Rays got a really nice piece for the bullpen, which could be for years now. Um, now, if I were to be a betting man, which I'm definitely not, I, I would say no. We would not. We were not going to see Jalen Beeks in 2021, but hopefully his rehab is going well, and, and we can see him in 2022. Yeah. You know, I remember when he made his major league debut with the Red Sox and he, oh, it was so hard to watch. He gave up something like five runs in the first inning or two. And I just felt so bad for him because, you know, you don't want a kid to come up Fenway Park where it's just such a heightened, you know, experience. And then he just got shelled. But then I remember after the trade, you know, people were saying like, 
we got Nathan Evaldi. Evaldi comes in. He is like amazing, basically right out the gate. And then of course the postseason. Jalen Beeks, I remember him coming back with you guys playing the Red Sox and he was really effective. And I vividly remember being like, so this guy couldn't pitch for us, but he can just totally shut us down. This is so annoying. And I looked up his career splits and against the Red Sox in six games, he held the Red Sox batters to a 250 batting average and a 422 slugging percentage. So honestly, pretty good. I mean, only 13 strikeouts in those six games overall. So, you know, obviously not ideal, but the thing is, as long as you're getting those outs, it doesn't really matter how you're getting them. You know, people want to focus so much on the strikeouts, but right. I mean, there are plenty of pitchers. I mean, Nathan Evaldi himself, he's a guy, I think the most strikeouts he's ever had in a single game in his career is like 10. Yeah. Chris yeah. Sales had like a 17 strikeout <laughs> game like two years ago. So whatever, but you know, wishing him the best. I honestly think that a lot of times trades are super lopsided and this wasn't, this it was actually a pretty. Yeah. Cool and trade, interdivisional you know? too. Interdivisional which is, too, which you never see right? that. Honestly. You know, the Red Sox and the and the Yankees have made something like five trades in the last 50 years. The Ottavino trade was like their sixth trade since like 1960. Wow. They hadn't wow. made a trade That's since a 2014. That's a question right there. That's amazing. Yeah, right? uh, well, I know the babe is definitely in there, but... but that's not <laughs> a trade. That's a sale. So that that's doesn't right. even count. <laughs> that's right. Oh my goodness. I I wa- that's a great trivia question. You're right. It's a yeah. great trivia question. The, I will say before we talk about Bill Barr, I'm just going to drop a really fun random story in here, which is that apparently in like the late 1940s, early 1950s, I guess, Tom Yonke, owner of the Red Sox, and one of the owners of the Yankees got super wasted at a bar in New York and discussed trading DiMaggio for Williams. Wow. And they actually apparently agreed on it when they were drunk. And when I was talking to Stacy, our Yankees host, about it, she was like, well, yeah, because the only way that trade would have happened and been agreed to was if they were drunk. Like, there's no way that that trade happens. But can, can you just imagine, like, Joe DiMaggio, a Red Sox, and Ted Williams on the Yankees? You know what? I, honestly, I, I want to live in that alternate reality where that actually happened. That would be really cool to see how that would have uh, panned out. And you know what? Uh, sometimes with those big names like that, it's kind of scary to pull the trigger, even though it might have yeah. been beneficial for both. But it's always well, kind of like scary. I feel like that's kind of the way that our division works, especially with teams that are really good. You know, no offense to the Orioles and our lovely Connor Newcomb, host of Locked on Orioles. But like, I feel like the Rays, the Red Sox and the Yankees, at least over the last decade, have kind of been like that scene in the office where they're all pointing the finger guns at each other (laughs) and nobody wants to move. And they're in like the standoff. Yes. Because you kind of feel like, no, you no you, you know, you don't want you feel like you're getting kind of like one something pulled over on you. Like it's kind of like a, a, you know. And a trick, right? Yeah, no, for, for the last since like 2008, I, I, it's been the, the, these three teams with a sprinkling of the Orioles and the Jays with a couple successful seasons. Oh my god, really I forgot cool. about the right that yeah, a, a couple right uh, from 2010 to I believe 2015. It was really cool that all of the teams won a division title. That if if you don't tell me that the AL East is the most competitive, the most rigorous division in baseball, then you're probably watching the NL Central. And I feel sorry for you. (laughs) No offense to Lucas. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I remember in 2018, you know, so three teams in MLB won 100 games. It was the Sox, the Yankees, and the the Astros. And I remember somebody tweeted that if the, because the Rays won what, like 90, 
90. Three games, 97, something? 90 on 2018, 90. Right. Okay. So yeah. I don't think a single NL team won 90 games. And somebody tweeted that if the Rays were in any other division and if they were in any NL division, you guys would have won your division and like gone to the postseason. And it's like, yes. just, the AL East is just such a baseball powerhouse. And so yes. even in a year where like the Red Sox are hot garbage, like they were last year, like our division is still so fiery and fun to watch. And I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm like, Oh, we got well, baseball in like a day. Oh my God. It, it's, it's really <laughs> exciting, but you know, what's more exciting built bars because built bars are so delicious. Gabrielle. I mean, it's the chocolate. It's the thing that's inside of them because they've got like 17, 18, 19 flavors. Do you have a favorite built bar, Gabrielle? We are a peanut butter chocolate household. Like anything, peanut butter and chocolate. This is the peanut butter and chocolate house. So you know, the peanut butter and chocolate flavors, anything chocolate, you know, in general is really popular in our house. But I will say that the best thing about these bars is that if I'm craving a sweet treat at 3 p.m., I don't feel guilty if I eat one or two built bars because each bar is like so low sugar and low, low calorie. And I'm just like, I'm tricking myself into thinking that I'm eating something you know, I'm tricking my body into thinking I'm having a treat, but I'm actually just having protein and fiber. That's like actually good for me. It's the ultimate mind bender. I, I don't know how they do it. Cause most protein bars, like, have you ever eaten a, a protein bar where you're worried that if you bite into it, your teeth are going to break because they're just rock hard. 100%. And then <laughs> the other thing is that they're so chalky sometimes and it just Ugh. gets stuck in you. Not not Built Bar. Built Bar is amazing. And in fact, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you will get 15% off on your next order. So don't forget, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 and you'll get 15% off on your next order. So Ulysses, we cover the Rays and the Red Sox. We've got you dialed in for the AL East on our podcast, but you can get all the sports news you need, like the biggest stories in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. We've got host Peter Bukowski, who updates you on the latest news and the biggest storylines in every major sport with the help of our local experts. I've been on the show before. It's so much fun, even though I was talking about Mickey Calloway, which is not a fun topic at all. But Peter is awesome. The show is so much fun. And if you want a 20 minute recap of the breaking news in sports every single day of the weekday, follow Locked On Today podcasts wherever you get podcasts. Okay, Gabrielle, let's start talking about Bean Town. Let's start talking about the Boston Red Sox. Um, before we get into the, the starting rotation, which I've got questions on, I also have questions about um, the lineup. Um, I do Alex, have questions that Alex Gore <laughs> is going to be writing. I want to get your take on something that Kevin and I had discussed uh, from the outside looking in that AJ Hinch and Alex Cora got back into the game so quickly after only a short suspended season of 60 games. And then they're right back in there in the same job that they were. From the outside looking in, I did not like it, that uh, AJ Hinch and Alex Cora going back so quickly at the same position, not even earning that, you know, cachet back. Is there a divided Red Sox nation of why do we have him back? Or no, this is a guy that got us 2018. I want him back. Is there even a division between fans? And can you kind of explain that dy dynamic from your perspective? 
You know, I actually think not to brag, but I'm the perfect person to ask because I was super conflicted about this. And I was one of those people. I remember the first thing I said when the news broke that the Red Sox were being investigated in the late fall, early winter of 2019 um, was that I didn't want a championship that wasn't one fair and square. Like, that's not my deal. I'm never going to be one of those fans. It's like, well, get over it. Like, it sucks to suck. That's not my vibe. I might be naive and nostalgic and like mushy, but I genuinely want baseball to be fair and played right and filled with good people at all levels of the game. You know, you, you see me on social media talking about domestic violence and PEDs and cheating and all of this kind of stuff. Like I just don't want it in my game because I can't bear to root for bad people. I just can't do it. Right. Um, like I'm the person who will leave Yankee stadium when Araldus Chapman comes in to close, like I have done that before. <laughs> so, you know, for Cora, it was, it was really hard because on the one hand, the Red Sox, I'm sure you have not been keeping tabs, but the Red Sox have a hard time keeping people around, you know, for example, I looked into it when Kim Ang's hiring was announced in Miami yeah. in the 15 years that she was interviewing for GM positions around the league, the Red Sox had something like six or seven GMs, including multiple interim GMs or GM, whatever you want to call them, the people right. in her level, Dombrowski, Heimblum, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. With managers, you know, we had Tito, Bobby Valentine, um, John Farrell, Cora, Renicky. I honestly think I'm forgetting something, uh, you know, whatever. We've had multiple managers. And so the whole thing with Cora was it was supposed to be this young, vibrant guy who communicates with players, gets along really well, is like really innovative and is here for the long haul. You know, the way that managers used to be in baseball, where you'd have a guy manage your team for like 15 years and or, you yeah. know, just they manage till they die like the Supreme Court. <laughs> and so it was hard from that standpoint because he came in and he was so honest and, or, you know, he seemed super honest and accountable and the players loved him. And he, we went from having a guy like named John Farrell, who, you know, didn't really speak any Spanish. So he couldn't really talk to his players, you know, and the Red Sox have a very heavy, heavily Spanish speaking team. Um, You know, like Devers came up in 2017 and Farrell like could not talk to him. And how are you going to have a guy who's like 19 years old that you cannot communicate with? That's going to cause some disconnect. So we went from that to a guy who was known for his communication, known for connecting with his players, clearly got results. They win the most games in franchise history in the regular season. They steamroll their way pretty much to the postseason. And, you know, people are like, you feel blindsided. You feel like you got cheated on by a spouse, especially in Red Sox Nation, where we are so ridiculously obsessed with our team. It was like a huge betrayal. So for me, I kind of was like, I, first of all, thought that his suspension was going to be longer because he was investigated for two situations, not just one. But MLB came out and said, you know, we're only finding this guy guilty for misbehavior in Houston, right? And on top of that, you know, the biggest thing for me was like with Manfred, that is a guy. Can you think of a guy who needs a win more than Rob Manfred? Like a PR win, like a big honking win. Can you yeah. think of a person? No, like maybe no. Roger his shadow. Dodd. I don't know his ego. I mean, everything Manfred. Yeah. Needs a W. Right. Yeah. So my feeling was if Manfred had found concrete evidence against Chorus specifically in 2019, 2018, whatever with the Red Sox, 
don't you think he would have brought down the hammer and given him a lengthier suspension and come out and like gone on a victory lap about it? Because for me, that's not the kind of thing that Manfred would cover up, you know, because he needed a win because the, uh, the Astros investigation, like he got so much crap for how badly that investigation was handled to the point where oh, it was bumbled. It was, it was completely it was bumbled. I mean, John boy did a better job investigating the Astros than MLB did. I know this is a really long answer, but <laughs> I have a lot of feelings. Um, so my, my whole thought process was they investigated the Red Sox like months longer than they investigated the Astros into spring training 2020. They were still being investigated. And not only that, but they came out and said, we're only, we only found impropriety with One Houston. Dude. Right. Oh, and then okay, this sorry. one, no, right. But they were like, saying like, in terms of Cora, we only found him guilty of Houston stuff and we're only punishing him for Houston stuff. And I was just like, I'm the daughter of a lawyer. If they had found enough stuff on Cora in Boston, they would have brought down the hammer. His ban would have been, his suspension would have been longer. He might've gotten banned. And that's why I genuinely think like, and I'm not saying this as a homer. I really said multiple times on the podcast, on social media, that I thought that in the future, he would deserve another chance in baseball, but I didn't think it should be with the Red Sox. I thought that as long as he's with the Red Sox, this is going to follow him around for a long time. Every win that the Red Sox have, every home run that they hit, you're going to get people replying on social media being like, that's because they're cheating. I genuinely thought that if the Red Sox wanted to turn the page, Cora could get a job somewhere else. You know, I thought he like would Like A.J. Been, Hinch. Right. Like, like Hinch, Hinch is with the Tigers. Exactly. I thought Cora would have been a great fit for the White Sox. You know, young guy, young team. I thought it would have been a great fit. You know, the Red Sox have loved to say over the last couple of years that it's time to turn the page mm-hmm. for various things like the Mookie trade, this, this, that, this situation. How do you turn the page if you go back to the last chapter? There you go. That, and, and, that, and, that's, and, and that's been, yeah, from the outside looking in, it, it just seems like they keep talking about moving on, but you can't move on when the same guy that was suspended is still on in that dugout. And you know what? He's also going to be doing a lot of other things, which is filling up that lineup card every day. And there are a lot of question marks from the outside looking in, uh, at least uh, on who is going to be filling up that those nine spots, because Obviously, you still have Bogarts, Martinez, Devers, but there are a lot of new faces there. So can you tell me a little bit about Kike Hernandez, Martin, uh, no, Marwin Gonzalez, Hunter Renfro, X-Ray, legend uh, <laughs> race player. Uh, can you tell me, are, is, are any of these players already won out a spot? They already have a spot. Are their spots still in contention during spring training, basically with two days to go? What's the off- offensive pro- um, projections Uh, going to be for that lineup card. So, you know, honestly, I'm really, really enthused by the additions that Chaim Bloom and Alex Cora made this offseason. I know for a fact that Cora had a heavy hand in picking the players that they got. You know, Marvin Gonzalez played for him on the Astros. Kike played for him in the 2017 World Baseball Classic with Team Puerto Rico. These are guys that Cora said to Chaim Bloom, like, these are guys that I want. And, you know, it's great because those two in particular can play multiple positions. Kike and Marwin both have played I believe every single position except for catcher. Um, I know for a fact that Kike has played every position and I read somewhere that Marwin is almost, if not equivalent in terms of just the versatility, which is not to say that they're going to be all-star caliber at every single position, but the versatility is great for a team that 
doesn't have a great track record with injuries. You know, you're trying to fill the hole left by Dustin Pedroia and Mookie Betts. Um, so, and, you know, today uh, we're recording on Monday for Division Day on Wednesday. Today's game against the Braves, three home runs were hit to total the four runs that the Red Sox scored. One of the home runs was Kike Hernandez. One was J.D. Martinez. And the two-run homer was Marwin Gonzalez. So already you're seeing the impact, tangible impact, of these additions. The same thing with Hunter Renfro. Every home run he has hit this spring training has been an absolute bomb. Like, Get used to that. One of his home runs went over the the south, the Fenway South monster. You know, they have the the same monster there. One of his home runs was like over the monster, but like not even close. Like, an, like literally, it might be floating in the atmosphere now, and he's like land on some poor strength. kid's head. No, he he, he is tanks. a strong man. Now you will see him uh, swing and miss a heck of a lot, especially in 162 games. He will. He has an arm. He can make some sliding catches that that will be pretty nice to see. But yeah, when he gets a hold of one grab the tape measure because they go a long way for sure. Yeah. And he displayed his absolute cannon of an arm too, because he had a throw that he made from the outfield. That was like, you don't often find the Red Sox radio broadcasters speechless. You know, Joe Castiglione has been in the, in the industry calling Red Sox games for over 40 years now. He could not find the words for this situation. (laughs) It was like, it was just so appallingly amazing. I don't think appalling is the right word to use here, but it was just, you know, I don't think that the Red Sox are going to have a typical lineup this year. You're going to have a lot of these guys because Cora wanted versatile guys because Bloom wanted versatile guys. You're going to have guys going all over the lineup. You're going to have different lineups every single day. You know, they have multiple outfielders now. They don't just have like, you know, the, the killer bees, Benny, uh, Benny Bradley and Betts, RIP the Killer Bees. But you got Franchi Cordero, Hunter Renfro, Alex Verdugo, JD Martinez sometimes finds a way to convince Cora to put him in the outfield for some reason. Don't get me started. He knows something. JD JD knows something on Cora. He's like, no, 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 no. He's got he's got to have some kind of you know some kind (laughs) of thing because every time he goes in the outfield, he's then on the bench with back spasms for like five days. Let's head quickly to the pitching side of things. Uh, I know that you've got um, a better pitching than 2020 because 2020 was really rough to watch as a Red Sox fan. (laughs) I bet uh, seeing those guys there, but you got Iovaldi, you you got Erod, Martin Perez. Uh, so there are better names associated with that rotation, and some of them are healthy. Some still are uh, are on the IL, like Chris Sale. But Matt, Matt and Drees, uh, do you see guys uh, making a push for that rotation? Is it going to be a normal five-man rotation, or are we going to see a, uh, a little bit of pioneering by the Red Sox um, this year? So, you know, it's interesting because as of last week, Cora said that they considered a six-man rotation, but then they decided to stick with a traditional five-man rotation. But since then, Eduardo Rodriguez was scratched from opening day. He's having a little bit of like a dead arm situation. They're kind of trying to figure it out. I don't think it's really so much medical as just the fact that the guy hasn't pitched since September 2019. And they're really being careful with him because of everything he went through last year. The Red Sox actually have a ton of options of guys who can start, start and relieve. Um, Matt Andrews, for example, is slated to be on 
the roster, but not in the rotation. So more of like a bullpen arm who can start, you know, until this week, it was expected that Tanner Houck was going to start the season at the alternate training site. But now that Erod might not be ready for the first week or two, we might actually see Tanner Houck in the rotation. He was incredible today. 4.1 innings pitched, only gave up two hits and a walk struck out like six or seven batters. So it's really good to see him. He struggled a little bit this spring too. And he's, you know, a younger guy, only three career MLB starts, but they were all against postseason teams, Braves, Marlins, and Yankees. And he went five innings in each one and only allowed one or zero runs. So, you know, not bad for, for a newbie, Uh, especially for a Red Sox homegrown pitcher. It's pretty incredible. (laughs) You know, you've got the mainstays, Martin Perez, Nathan Avaldi, I'm not really sure if it's going to be a traditional five man now, just because, you know, sale obviously won't be back for a while. And Erod is now a question mark again, but it's just nice to know that the Red Sox have options because I think the biggest thing for them the last two years was that the farm system was so depleted that when the entire starting rotation pretty much collapsed in 2019, they didn't really have the means to, ameliorate that from yeah right like even the guys that they were bringing up I don't know if it was that the guys weren't ready or that the guys just weren't good but the point is that they had a revolving door of these guys like um Mike Schwerin Josh Taylor uh Josh Smith a lot of Josh's um just coming up and down like every couple weeks and it's like okay but you know they weren't good last time they came up is that their fault because they're actually not that good or is it just the fact that we're just dragging up triple a and double a pitchers because we have nothing else and so this year you know the quality might still not be like a superstar caliber but it's just nice to know that we have the quantity because the biggest thing the red sox were lacking was like the fact that our bullpen arms were trying to carry the weight of a starting rotation that was getting knocked out after three four innings if you were lucky three or four innings well, a lot of time, re- like two innings. <laughs> I remember your posts uh, during last season. You were like, oh, two innings in, five runs allowed. Okay, so- sounds like a Red Sox rotation type mm-hmm. of deal. And, yeah. and that was 2020. But it does seem like the, the rotation is a little bit better um, for you guys in uh, 2021. Now, uh, let's uh, let's tease this a little bit. We're going to be talking about what players we think are going to break out plus our win total predictions for uh, these two teams. But first... Let's talk about betonline.ag. Gabrielle, do you enjoy betonline.ag? You know, honestly, I'm not like a huge betting person, but I do like to go on BetOnline and see the updated odds and kind of get an idea of where people's heads are at and see those predictions, especially with, you know, our locked on fantasy baseball league that a bunch of us are participating in. And, you know, that kind of- I am in that. I am in that. You got to tell me how it goes. I'm on the outside looking in. So give me the gossip. I actually had to drop Nick Anderson from my team this week. So uh, sorry. But um, yeah, so bet online, you know, they they updated their odds recently. They got real time updated odds props on almost anything you can imagine. Like they will tell you the best odds on MVP, Cy Young, who's going to hit the most home runs, which teams are going to win their divisions, who's going to be in the the best odds for each round of the postseason, like the best odds for the World Series. And it's really interesting to see, you know, where the betting side of sports are at. And if you're not in sports, though, they got awards, TV shows. You can bet on like The Bachelor 
if my listeners, if our listeners are into that, um, they literally have everything you can imagine. Um, I remember seeing them on Twitter, having a betting post about someone picking their nose on TV. So you can, you can go to their website or you can use your mobile device to sign up today. We've got a promo code locked on. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, our and your online sportsbook experts. So Ulysses, our division preview series premiered on Locked on MLB last week, but from now until opening day, our pal Sully on Locked on MLB and all of our regular local experts are previewing their divisions on Locked on MLB every day. Every episode from now until March 31st features in-depth looks at each team in every division. So you and I are talking Sox and Rays right now, but if you're curious about another division, go to the Locked on MLB podcast wherever you get podcasts and follow them on the radio.com app to find out what is going on and what you can look forward to with every team and every division this season. Okay, Gabrielle, let's uh, wrap up this crossover for today between the Rays and the Red Sox. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about predictions first. What do you think the Red Sox in 2021 uh, are going to be? Are they uh, sub 500, right around 500? Or actually, will they surprise people and and get above 500? Because I want to tease this a little bit, but there might be some bold predictions out there that I have seen. And so that's why I'm asking this. I was going to say, as we're recording this, my locked on ML, my locked on Red Sox bold prediction is live on locked on MLB on Twitter. Um, Please ignore how awkward I am on camera, but I'm a podcaster, not a TV person. (laughs) Um, I think the Red Sox are going to be better than people think. I you know, they've had a couple tough breaks already so far. Christian Vasquez got hit in the face with a baseball and now he kind of is rocking like a Mad Max situation circa like what, two years ago, three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Matt Barnes like tested positive for COVID, but then he didn't test positive he, for yeah, COVID. Yeah, it was a false like, positive, right? Yeah. They're saying it's not a false positive. They're saying it's something oh. else where it's like a low infection rate. So he's like, I don't know, they're investigating. This is a story that's okay. developing. But But the point being you know, like your team, like a lot of teams, there's already been some tough breaks for this team in spring training going into the season, but they had a really good spring, like way better than I was expecting. You know, they finished the tomorrow will be the last day of play. But as of right now, Monday, March 29th, they're leading Grapefruit League in home runs, runs, batting average, on-base percentage and slugging, and they're second in OPS. And I know that these things mean nothing in terms of like wins and losses, But it's a really nice and encouraging sign when you can go into your regular season with that momentum of feeling really good about yourself. You know, in 2018, they had the best record in spring training for the Grapefruit League. And they rode that momentum into the season and they started the season by going 17 and two. And I think that that headspace kind of aspect of the game, the mental aspect, that kind of momentum and just the good vibes of like knowing that you can do this, it actually makes a huge difference. You know, once you've hit a home run, you know that you can do it. You can do it again. Kind of like really weird reference, but Harry Potter in book three, Prisoner of Azkaban, when he casts the Patronus the mentor. Charm, <laughs> right? And Hermione says, you know, but you'd never been able to do that before. How did you know that you could do it? And he's like, well, because I kind of knew that I'd already done it before, you know, when they go back in time. And I yeah. kind of feel like that's what this is like. You know, you've won a bunch of games against teams that are really good, like the Rays, the Braves, every team that the Red Sox played this spring, except for the Orioles, no offense, 
is a team that's expected to be a postseason contender. They've been right. beating up on the Braves. They've been going head to head with the Twins. You know, pretty co- pretty solid competition between our two teams. Yeah. Knowing that you can tussle with the big dogs is half the battle of like getting into Fenway Park. And I think honestly that playing in front of fans again, especially at a ballpark as you know special as a Fenway Park, is you hear every single player talk about how hard it's been to play without fans. And it's been hard to be a fan being on the outside looking in. And I think that this team is going to be so invigorated by hearing real fans back in the ballpark. I'm like, I'm going to cry just thinking about being back inside Fenway Park. It's, it's just, it's just different in Boston. These kinds of things that like shouldn't matter because they're not wins and losses. They matter in Boston. And I think that these guys are feeling good and they're having fun and they're excited. And those things matter to us. I think honestly, uh, the, the, the psychological impact is always a, a benefit, you know, look, a guy that goes over 20 in spring training or, you know, 10 for 50, whatever the, the bad <laughs> that you want to put at him. Um, it doesn't mean that he's going to have a horrible season. It, it doesn't mean that at all. He could have, he could be an MVP that season and he just had a slow spring training, but mentally you, these guys n- need that positive reinforcement. It's already very difficult to hit a baseball uh, you know, if you go to the Hall of Fame, you're going to miss seven out of 10 times. So it, it, obviously the, the mental aspect of it, of doing well in spring could help you for, for, the, for the season. That's for sure. It's funny. People always joke, you know, like you're saying you're not concerned about the tough breaks that have happened in spring training. And I think that it's kind of this fun little thing about spring training that if something's good, carry it with you into the regular season. If it's bad, you can leave it behind in spring training and it's only spring training. You know, it doesn't have to be a big deal. And, you know, I hate when people say on social media, like, oh, why are you caring about a spring training game? I like to see what my team's going to look like. I like to get an idea. I like to just watch baseball after a long winter. But, you know, if, if something's bad, guess what? You can leave it behind. And if it's good, let's hope it continues. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Going off your prediction, I, I I do think that that would help the race if the Red Sox are competitive, because that would mean that the Red Sox are taking some wins off the Yankees. And <laughs> I agree with you in the fact that... We have that, to unite in our pursuit of destroying the Yankees. <laughs> you, you have to think if... Uh, I think we both agree that national media is, I think, pumping up a little bit too much the Yankees. Basically, hmm, the rotation yeah. is a big question mark after another. And the lineup is the same. And guess what? They get hurt a lot because they have big bulky guys who get hurt a lot. So oh, you, should, you that, should have heard me and Stays talk about how Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stan need to do yoga. Oh, and I did. Judge said, Judge said that he started doing yoga. Yeah, I did. Like a couple of days later after you guys had that episode. Oh, I did my research before talking to you. No, yeah. So I, I think they're a little bit overrated, like always the Yankees are. Uh, so if you guys are good, if the Red Sox can become an 84 win team, well, that means that they're taking some some wins off the Yankees. And then that gap, which I think to be in the four game gap between the Rays and the Yankees, that could shorten it. And then the Rays could have a shot at the ALE. So I, I'm thinking between 88 and 92 wins for the Rays. If everything breaks great, then they definitely get to 92. If it's kind of soft and the rotation experiment didn't go so well, then you're looking at 86. I will say before we end, we barely talked about our Canadian friends in our division. (laughs) 
<laughs> Salty. Okay. But, you know, I have to say, I think that the Blue Jays are being slept on. And, you know, we're talking about our two teams helping each other by stealing wins from the Yankees, which obviously, hey, anything to keep the Yankees down for another year, I'm quite enjoying their drought yes. of World Series championship <laughs> list years. But I think the Blue Jays are going to be better than people expect. You know, they've got some good pitchers. They got George Springer. They've got Bo Bichette. I loved watching Ryu pitch when I was in LA. Where do you think the Blue Jays factor into this conversation? I think they're the third place team uh, after the Yankees and the Rays. I think they have that potent lineup with Springer. It's going to be even better, but you know, the oblique strain, I don't know how long that's going to keep them off. I had them higher than I do today. Why? Because Nate Pearson and I think Hatch uh, are, went down. I don't know if the if the Jays have somebody that can supplant a Nate Pearson or a Hatch. So that I see a little bit more difficult, but I think they're still going to be a very threatening lineup. They were already a really good lineup last year. Now give Bichette, now give Biggio, now give 40-pound slimmer Vladdy another year of, of just being an MLB player. I mean, that lineup is going to be scary. And the Blue Jays are going to be winning the World Series in the next five years. I mean, Honestly, they've I love got that, that type them. of lineup. They've got that type of lineup. It's crazy good. And it's going to get better. Yeah. You know, I said that this year, I think the Red Sox will be better than expected. But I don't think this is like their year. Um, I think 2022, 2023, you start to see the Red Sox kind of really destroy people again. And I obviously can't wait for that. But honestly, I'm just happy at this point that we're going to get to go and see baseball games in person. I don't really care if my team goes to the playoffs this year. I'm just happy that I'm going to get to be there. I'm just happy that the team is by and large healthier and more complete. And I'm just happy that 2020 is in the rearview mirror because I think that the biggest thing for all of us is that we just missed being able to go and enjoy baseball games. And I hope, and I think that the players are really going to feed off of the energy of having people back in the stands and baseball will just feel a little bit more alive than it felt last year. 100%. You know, I bet the Red Sox players can't wait to hear sweet Caroline, uh, <laughs> even though they might get annoyed of it, you know, in a normal day, but like now that's going to be really nice for them to hear. And just like, you know, race players that I've talked to in the past have said, no, we really don't like the cowbells at the trough. Well, they're going to love it in 2021 because we're back and we're <laughs> going cowboy crazy. So uh, Gabrielle, thank you so much for doing this crossover uh, with me. Where can you tell, where, where can they find you? People that are listening to you, where can they find your stuff? So this has been so fun. And I will say I had a tweet, like what you just said. I said, I know everybody hates Sweet Caroline, but if everybody isn't screaming Sweet Caroline in that first <laughs> game back, I swear to God, I will cancel the whole season right then and there because mm. I have been waiting because I'm such a psychotic Red Sox fan. So you can follow me <laughs> on Twitter at GFSTARR1. You can follow Locked on Red Sox at LO underscore Red Sox. And of course, on Instagram, we're just at Locked on Red Sox, all one very long word with nothing interrupting it. And this was so much fun, Ulysses. I'm so excited to uh, fight each other all season long and <laughs> unite days. against the Yankees. Yeah, 18, because that's look, honestly eight, the con common goal is to just destroy the Yankees as much well, as possible. And nobody likes the pinstripes. Uh, and you know what? Sinatra's New York, New York is overrated. There, I said mm. it. I don't get especially if that. it's being played by Aaron Judge after oh. one postseason win, and then you get your butts handed to you the next night in your own ballpark. There you go. That's how we end the show. <laughs> so thank you so much, Gabrielle.
<laughs> Thank you. Okay, that wraps up this edition of the Locked on Rays podcast. Again, want to thank Gabrielle Starr from the Locked on Red Sox podcast for joining us. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.